Hey there, welcome to Embrace Your Strengths podcast. You're going to hear inspiring stories of men and women who are embracing their top five Clifton strengths in all kinds of ways. You'll be encouraged to understand more about what's so great about you. Learn how knowing, developing, and living more moments using your strengths can bring you joy and purpose in your life. I'm your host, Barbara Colo. Hi there. Welcome to Embrace Your Strengths. I am excited for you to hear from our next guest today, Jamie Taylor. Jamie is a professional musician and director of worship at a church here in Austin, Texas. As we talk about what she does in her career path in music, I think there might be some of you who can relate to her story. Recently, as she was at a crossroads in her work, she realized there were some of her strengths she had not been using in her previous roles in her career. I love hearing the joy she's having now in her new role, where she has opportunities to lead and impact others in significant ways, especially using her strategic strength. After I took the Clifton Strength Assessment years ago, which only takes about 20 minutes to take, I started to understand more about strengths that I had had that I really hadn't considered as strengths. You might be wondering, does how I'm wired or gifted matter? Yes, it does. I would love to come alongside you and coach you in your top five strengths. We will unpack each of your strengths and talk about how they work together also. You can reach out to me at barbaragcolwell at gmail.com. If you find this episode helpful, please leave a review and share it with a friend. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi there. Welcome to Embrace Your Strengths. I am excited for you today to hear from my next guest, Jamie Taylor. Welcome, Jamie. Hello. So glad to have you here, and Thank I would so love much. for you. I would love for you just to introduce yourself, who you are, where you live, and what you do. Uh, so my name is Jamie Taylor, and I live in Austin, Texas, and I am a director of worship and music for Triumphant Love Lutheran Church. Um, I've been a musician in the city for about twenty years or so, um, and I've been a church musician throughout that time. So sometimes working professionally as a singer, singing in opera and classical music world. And then oftentimes teaching as well. Oh, that's so awesome. Well, I love, um, I feel like I'd heard your name before. Maybe we've crossed paths, but it was fun visiting a few weeks ago at our friend's daughter's wedding. And just, we just kind of connected about a lot of things. I think I just was intrigued just by, just like what you do, just your passion and vocation and music. And I think, like I mentioned, my my family growing up, my dad's side of the family is very musical and it's been a significant part of our family. And I know even when I mentioned that I have a great uncle that was an American composer, you're like, oh yes, I know who that is. <laughs> so, but I think it, I thought it was interesting too, that we both kind of learned more about him. I took, did a little report on him when I was in a music appreciation class at Auburn and did, so you were, you, is that where you first heard about my it Great was a, uncle. yeah, it was an American music history class, which was by far and away my favorite class I ever took in college. Oh, it was my cool. last semester of music school and I kind of had a free spot and there was this course description that it was for majors and non-majors too, but I had just always wanted to do something in that area. And so I, I just took it on a whim. The professor was uh, had fairly new to teaching and so she was just really excited and, and, and took it really seriously. So yeah, I got introduced to him as a part of like that curriculum. 
But my favorite thing about it is it, it made for a great final college memory. My last final of my last day in the music building, we had a listening exam. And so I walked out the door identifying uh, hip hop samples to Grandmaster Flash. And I will never <laughs> forget that. It's like, oh. like all the great, wonderful works I got to perform, a Mahler to a Beethoven, Mass and C, all these amazing things. But my last day, I was walking out the door with hip hop samples. And it was it was a lovely way to end oh. a that a, a fun awesome. time. Yes, that's amazing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, like the class that I took at Auburn, um, it was fun because as the man took the role, the first day of class, he mentioned my name, Barbara Griffiths. And he's, are you related to Charles T. Griffiths? I'm like, yes, that's me. And so it was just kind of a fun thing too. Not quite as fun as your class, but, um, <laughs> but I think just kind of growing up in a home with music and yeah. my brothers and dad, I mean, they, you know, there's always music playing and I didn't really, I heard it, but I didn't really know as much about it. And so that, and also when I took an art appreciate uh, art history class was sort of the same idea for me of like really being with somebody that loves what they're doing. And it just is, makes a class so inspiring when you're with someone that's so passionate about something. Yeah, that's uh, and that's definitely my family history too. We have music on both sides, very different experiences. My my mom's side of the family, my great grandmother was a, a pianist who played by ear, self-taught. And during the depression, she played for ballet classes and then the theater circuits all over Boston. That's how the family survived the depression. So my mom and my grandmother grew up singing the American Song Songbook, as oh. well as some some hymnals and things like that. Um, they were raised in the Catholic Church. But my dad's side of the family, total opposite. My grandfather was a self-taught uh, guitarist and mandolin player, and he played in like old-fashioned tent revival Baptist meetings out in the sun in West Texas. Oh. <laughs> and my dad grew up singing in a gospel quartet on the radio on Saturday mornings. <laughs> so it was very different experiences. But then we were raised doing song leading and, and worship leading um, in a traditional style by our parents. And so, you know, music in the church and music as a, as a part of family has been a part of my life for a long time. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, that's, that's great. Well, I would love for you to tell about what your top five Clifton strengths are. As we talked that day at the wedding, one thing went from another to music to, <laughs> as my family says, mom, every conversation you have ends in Clifton strengths. And it's like, it's just a kind of a, I don't know. It's like you understand about someone when you um, know what their strengths are. But tell I mean, me what your any, top it's five Instagram are. It's Instagram and CrossFit people too. So we're all in this boat. It was something that we're curious about. Um, I know. Yeah. So tell me what your top five strengths are. And just kind of, I think like you mentioned, is was sort of instrumental as you um, learned about them just in kind of your career path too. So we'll dig into that in a minute too. Yeah. So learner was a big one. Connectedness. I'm a relator, a strategic planner kind of thinker and an input. So okay, those were the yes. big five. So what kind of, as you kind of learned, I don't know how much time you took to kind of dig into what they meant, but what were some of your takeaways as you were looking at those and seeing those in kind of the job you were doing and maybe as you're thinking about a next step in your career? So, yeah, it was interesting because I think I'd never really thought, I thought of myself as like, the second tier leadership kind of person, like somebody who's always maybe a leader and, and, and pulls forward in situations, but not somebody who's like the person in charge. 
And mm-hmm. I think the connectedness piece of this and the strategic side of it, both of those kind of align with, you know, leadership skills. And I was going through this with a friend and she was really like leaning into the idea that um, having a leadership role was really an appropriate next step. And so, you know, where I might have wanted to apply for positions or look for a career change that was going more in the direction of being self-employed or working for somebody in a more assistant type role, she was encouraging me to look at that and say, this probably means you need to be thinking more of a director level position, something more like that. And I just hadn't really seen myself that way. Um, was trying to um, process that and figure that out. And it very quickly led to the first application I put in for a director position I got. Um, and oh, so wow. <laughs> um, it was rather, it was rather confirming. Um, mm. So that the strategic piece and the connectedness piece, that there was something to that. I guess in the way that I filled out the application and the way that the pre-interview went and then the actual interview process, which involved a large group of people, of course, because most churches, you know, you're not just one in one interviewing with the pastor for a position like this. It's um, usually a committee, a hiring committee. So about 15 people involved in this process. And I thought that would really bother me and it did not. I loved it. Um, Getting to know everybody, seeing the different um, uh, facets of the leadership at the church in action. Um, yeah, it was really a, a a cool thing to see the direct relationship between you should be you should be thinking more at this level, and mm. then seeing that play out pretty immediately in the process. Oh, that's so encouraging, and I'm sure really just affirming for you just to see like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, tell me uh, yeah. about kind of what your roles have been and like what you're enjoying doing in this new position and stepping into your strengths a little more. Well, so definitely one of my strengths is strategic planning, and that has had a very big piece of the transition. Uh, So like every church in America, the pandemic created a lot of um, disconnection and damage. There's, you know, uh, people were having more, it's like every problem got turned up a little bit. So all the usual problems of life plus Um, and churches were trying to figure out how to recover from that. So I came in right at the end of a transition period where they'd gone through three really tough years. That church had had building damage, which added to the stress. They had personnel issues, which added to the stress. Um, and so I'm coming into a pretty damaged organization in this one little pocket, but overall the process of the pandemic had very much unified them as a staff and they were doing a very good job of, figuring out how to address post-pandemic life and issues. So I come in and while maybe things were a little bit harder than I, I had imagined they would be because of those those years of hardship, I had the opportunity to sit down and really think now, okay, we can rebuild. Um, mm-hmm. Everything's kind of been broken down. And as much as that's a challenge, and I felt like that was going to be, you know, uh, interpersonal relationship challenges. I was going to need every bit of my emotional intelligence to, to do this. What's been so much fun this year is to come up with those strategies, work within the team that's already there and have them support them and then see that stuff pay off over time. I think that's been my favorite thing because I wouldn't have necessarily pegged myself as particularly strategic either. So it's kind of a theme of me not really recognizing my strengths or undervaluing them. But as I found those places where 
I started to problem solve of like, well, part of the reason that this is so hard for this group of people is because they're doing it the hardest way they could possibly do it. What if we made that easier? Um, and so, mm-hmm. and then um, really leaning off the curiosity and the expertise of, of people who've been in this community for a long time and are doing, have amazing work and programming. I think that those two things together really gave me a lot of joy that I didn't expect. Um, and then made some of the things that were harder, which is really just the grunt work of getting things back on their feet um, or reorganizing them into a way that I can work with um, that's better for me and makes helps me thrive. That, that all managing change is never easy, particularly change for people who um, are, you know, care a lot about what they're doing and care a lot about each other. But I think that's the piece I've really enjoyed, that the, the calm, the organization, and the process that I've been able to bring in has actually been one of the best things for dealing with the disconnection and the strain of the last three years. Mm, wow. That's so, I love hearing that. It's so neat to see just kind of the things that you kind of do easily and naturally, like you said, thinking and strategic planning or just that you've needed a space to be able to implement those kind of things and bring a lot of healthy changes, it sounds like. Yeah. And not, not remotely what I thought I was going to be doing when I started uh-huh. the job. I very much envisioned it as there because I, the picture I had was that there was a program that had been in place and was very successful for many years and a lot of routine volunteers who were very committed. So it seemed from the outside looking in that I was going to be coming in and learning procedure and, sp- and spending a year just doing someone else's program. So mm-hmm. the advice I'd been given by mentors was, you know, really learn their program, learn it well, figure out what works for you. And then you can start making slow change and managing slow change year two, right? Um, that yeah. was not, uh, you know, that was a big thing too, is being able to be curious enough about what was and wasn't working in my original um, template, my original timeline for for starting this job. And then having to say, no, I need to make those changes now. Mm-hmm. So that was, I think, you know, the, the strength finder piece about curiosity and input and being a learner, that was also helpful because I was really thinking about what I had learned when I got there versus what I had assumed beforehand. It helps when you can really like challenge your own assumptions quickly. You know, I was pivoting my plan by October. And so it was like three months in. I was like, all right, we got to change all of this. And it was the right thing to do. So yeah, I think that that part is is uh, something I think about a lot is like, I need to remember this. <laughs> yeah. that, uh, this is a lesson, a big lesson to have learned. And, and I think at, at this point, I'm experiencing the real joy of finally seeing that effort bring up the whole group. Um, mm-hmm. So we're just, we're, they're having fun. There's, oh. there's not as much stress. They're being nicer to each other. I love that part. <laughs> yeah. We're able to incorporate more uh, faith formation and uh, relationship building. And there's a lot more, in, I'm able to bring that kind of intentionality to it as well, even though I'm the only um, non-ordained member of the staff, of the leadership staff. So I think that's been a, I've, I've loved having that support too, as they've, been comfortable with me drafting off what they're doing in the other ministries and folding worship and music into that very, very explicitly and intentionally so that they're not just coming to make music. They're not just coming to do Sunday um, as a thing, but they're also getting that faith formation and relational piece. That's really a part of 
what you should be doing. Um, right. The whole picture. But it, it, yeah. But in the stress and the rush, because Sunday's always coming, because you always have this, you know, set of songs and resources to get out and all these people to marshal, that's something that can fall behind. So, you know, we've created a process that I think focuses on that. The communication style that we use focuses on that. There's, you know, unifying resources that I send out to everybody involved in the service every week, holding everybody on the theme, letting them get a glimpse of what's going to happen. And then that makes, I think for them, a more rich experience with the music itself, which then will translate to the congregation as they worship with us. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I've loved that part too, of just also thinking more on those lines as we're not just trying to make great music. That's not really the goal. I want them to care about the music they're making, enjoy it, but also be helped by it in some ways. And it will be good if it's, if they care about it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like yeah. that doesn't have to be the primary focus. Mm, that's great. Well, and even like having your relator strength in the midst of all that, all the changes and ideas and, you know, new plans, mm-hmm. I think that is kind of just a gift to be able to just naturally you are good at caring about people and seeing who's there and kind of not burning bridges along the way. That, that I feel very good about. Um, they definitely had had people fall away. I think every church did. And there's, you know, been a lot of like kind of reshuffling for people, but this was, you know, an older church community that I think they're almost to their 50th anniversary. And so there was a great deal of heritage and, and multi-generations in attendance and lots of the former pastors are retired and still attend that church. So there's, a lot mm. of deep relationships and an incredible youth group that's really thriving and the kids love each other. It's amazing. And so I think that element, I saw all of that. I saw the people who were telling me that they'd been there since, uh, you know, before I was born and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. and, and wanting to protect and value the people who'd been there and not run them off because it looked mm-hmm. like that had what that's what had happened with an interim director is this people had just fled the program and they those people weren't treated with the kind of value and care that they really should have been because it doesn't matter well yeah there's just a a a difference i think in in philosophy the relationship like our our uh, children youth and family director likes to say the the relationship is the point and while that's more true for them. And they don't have these uh, like larger outward goals. Everything she's doing is trying to create opportunity for those kids to get to know each other. The music and worship team, it's the same. The music and the worship is the conceit through which those relationships are built. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, I borrowed that and I'm like, yeah, that's a good, that's a good guiding star. The relationship is the point. Um, Yeah. So we, we do a lot of that. And, and then I was really worried because, you know, new blood, new leadership. I did make changes. And so far, we've been able to really take care of everybody, and and all the same people are still involved that were involved last year. Woohoo! Um, so um, I'm seeing that level of commitment go up, which makes me feel like they are feeling comfortable and cared for. Yeah. Oh, that's so great! So encouraging. I'm sure just for you, just to kind of see being in this sweet season in a new place, and just. God's blessing, just you and your efforts and who you are in this place. So. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a sense of peace. 
and and excitement too, because it, there is a part that's new for me, which is really learning how to manage staff. You know, I had you know little to no experience doing that beforehand, but it's been lovely because I've had a lot of mentorship from people, both both friends who have have been managers um, of people before, and then also the staff has been really helpful in, in kind of understanding that that was going to be a deficit for me. So, um, but we've, you know, I gave them kind of an idea of sort of a love your neighbor thing is I've been the employee, I've been the part-timer, I've been the person who didn't have, you know, a, a full picture of, of, a, of a work life and had to put it together from pieces. Like this is a thing that most itinerant musicians in Austin have to do. You have a piece of your appointment in like four or five different things, which can, it's, it's great. It's how it works, but it can make for a very unstable sort of process uh, to pull together all the income that you need and, and to have all the different pieces of health insurance and, and things like that in place. So I've gotten to pass that on by making it a priority to, um, you know, my director of operations and the, the council for the church that I wanted to, as we create these staff positions for different musicians that we're always having an eye for the next five years for them. So whether they're here for a short period of time or a long period of time, we take care of them while they're here, but we're also creating stability in their lives so that they can grow. And this is a, a, a job where they learn skills that then can follow them other places. But we're never thinking like we're just uh, paying for a good or service. There's always a sense of developing the personnel that we bring in to the music staff. And I was really pleased that they were okay with that. They were okay with me thinking that way. There's a ton of support. I think one of the finance guys said that actually helps us with long-term planning. I'm like, great. Um, so uh, yeah, it's been nice to be able to hand my music staff that sort of those the confidence that here is a job that you're going to have and this this income is going to be there for you and this growth point is going to be there for you as well. So they can predict kind of where they want to be in the rest of their life. So I've, uh, yeah, that part of being able to manage people, being able to, to try and be generous and thoughtful and um, steward the resources that the church trusts to me to use well, I think that's been another part of it I didn't expect to be enjoying. <laughs> I think I was yeah. a little more intimidated by it at first and it's definitely like, oh no. Um, but uh, it's a, a means of being loving and gracious and caring for, you know, musicians who are also kind of the, you know, the musicians at Austin are also kind of a family to me. Um, mm -hmm. And knowing what we've all been through and being able to pay pay that forward a little bit to the the way that I conduct my staff hires and, and manage my people. Yeah, that's great. Well, you know, when we chatted um, a little bit yesterday, I love thinking about the idea of having more moments in our life where we are really using our strengths. And it can be like this, this is what I was made for. And I know mm. as we, as we look over our life, sometimes we don't even notice them because maybe we're doing something that's, that is what we're made for, but maybe we don't notice it or I don't know, but it, mm. is there anything, even as you think about in this new role that, that you were just like, wow, I did this. Or, I mean, I don't know, just that it was one of those, I don't I, this, it. Is, <laughs> this is what I'm made for. I think that's, yeah, it's kind of a little bit, all of it. I know that sounds like a, um, I'm a cop-out answer, but there's a, a, 
there is a part of me that has, I've been in, and then you and I talked about this a little bit, but I've been in spaces where I either undervalued what I was capable of or other people did. And I very much internalized the idea that there's, there's a certain type of person who's allowed to be, you know, in a leadership role and other people might have talents and giftedness and that can be used or that can be, um, you know, given a platform. But the idea that I could be someone who would be developed into a director, like there's only one person in my life who ever saw that in me. And that's, you know, one of my long-term mentors going back, known him since I was a child and still a very close family friend. He saw that, but it was not a well-known among other people around me, or it wasn't Mm. something that was, there wasn't an active sense of, I want to encourage you because this looks like something you can do. And so I think the the big aha moment for me was, was, you know, kind of understanding that if I decided to try it and it didn't work, that was going to be okay. Uh Like I would know that it wasn't quite right for me. And so, you know, stepping into all it was a big job it's actually like one of the things we talk about this is project managers i i know who get this in my head it's overscoped but we're working on that um so i stepped into a large job i knew it was a large job and the fact that we've been able to only everything's been getting easier as we've done the things that i've brought to the table and to know that you know i'm not having to fight for people to hear me there's not a sense of people are listening but not validating. Um, it's it's really a, a, a cool thing to be in a space where you have your strategic planning and, and sort of piece of, of your brain. There's no context for them to say, maybe you don't know how to do that. They're just saying, well, well of course I'll entertain that idea because it, it's it could work. Um, but there's room for soft failure. There's room for reevaluation and you know, there's not a sense of this is the only way we do it. But if we need to rethink this, let's rethink it. We've got fresh blood here. Let's try to have a different conversation about it and a real safety in that process. And so I think that's been, if I have to say there's a space where I'm like, ooh, it's the ability to kind of collaborate with a team on ideas. And that collaboration is safe and fruitful and um, full of curiosity and, um, you know, comfort, you know, if something doesn't work, we help each other, right? I think that that is a really fun thing. Like the team effort and the team dynamics are lovely. So I think, yeah, all of it, but also that it is a collaborative environment. And I'm, you know, I'm not really standing on my own two feet by myself at the top of the mountain. I'm really, you know, linked arms with a, a group of people Um who respect each other's talents and abilities in their own areas, but then also deeply support and care for one another where those things overlap. So I never felt like there's no sense of competing. There's um, in fact, the quite the opposite of like, we've been like silo busting all years. Like where's who's still off on their own little pasture by themselves. Let's get them back. Um, Uh (laughs) So, you know, the, that, that process feels like the body of Christ in its purest image, like many parts, all one body. And I've just, it's been a, a joy in so many mm. ways, a long waited for joy, but uh, you know, I feel like I needed every step along the way to, to be able to see it with such clarity of how lovely this is. Yeah. 
that's so encouraging. Well, and I know like the last question I like to ask people, you've sort of answered it, but um, what has brought you joy lately or put a smile on your face? And it sounds like- well, just- I can give you something specific though. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> uh, so I, I have these staff musicians and some of them are still like really very much in the gigging world. They're going out, they're playing shows. And so my classical pianist is an odd couple friend with my very good guitarist. Um, so we brought in a friend of theirs who's a bass player to sub for one day. And my um, near retirement age pianist, who's an amazing improv player, but sometimes doesn't like necessarily to play with new people. And then my drummer, who is self-taught, doesn't read a scrap of music, but is amazingly intuitive and just <laughs> such a thoughtful musician. He's terrified to do things wrong, but if you put him in a really comfortable environment and around people who can support him, he thrives. And so I had that mixture of people together, huge age disparity, like 25 to 65 or something like that. And those guys had a song they got to play at the very end of the, of the uh, set that month, that morning, at the end of the second service. And I don't know what happened, but they just kind of found each other. And I was just sitting there just getting to sit back and enjoy how much fun they were having. And they were having Mm. just an absolute blast. And I could not ask for more in my position than to get to really be a facilitator of that kind of joy. And of course that rubbed off on the congregation. And of course, you know, that just immediately is an accelerant to those relationships getting stronger as, uh, you know, for them, for us colleagues. And um, yeah, the mix of volunteers and pros, the, the big idea for me is that when you have pros in the right spaces and you use them correctly, it gives a platform for the volunteers to thrive. And so that was, it happened in real time. And I was just mm-hmm. smiling ear to ear. And our communications oh, director took I a bet. video because she was sitting there and she's like, it was too good. I just had to. And I was like, yay. Anyway, so that for me is like top tier experience of, oh. um, I think what it means to do this kind of role as well as you can. And I'm, you know, been high on a kite as a kite since that happened. <laughs> oh, I love that. I'd love just, yeah, like you said, just all those details and unique people and just how it all came together so magnificently. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew one of them was having a pretty hard time too. So it was also like this moment of like, this will be something that, you know, they can, they can hold on to. Um, and, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not going to go back to having hard days, but just to see them smiling, knowing what they're going through. That was also a really lovely thing. Mm, That's so great. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for um, taking time to visit. I just, I love this story because I think, you know, I think about people's strengths and how they're using them and it's easy to take them for granted, but I just love hearing about your just changes and your new place that you're working and just how it all is coming together and bringing you so much joy and the people around you so much joy. Oh, thanks, Barbara. So, well, thank you so much and take care. Bye-bye. It's been lovely to meet you and talk to you. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this time has given you hope and encouragement about how amazing you are or helped you understand someone you know or work with or love. If you're curious about your top five strengths, you can take the assessment at cliftonstrengths.com. If this episode's been helpful to you, please leave a review, share the podcast with a friend, or subscribe to Embrace Your Strengths podcast. 
You can find more information at barbaracolwell.com. I sure look forward to our next time together. Take care.